Okay, hello everybody. Today is Monday, another Zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. I took a brief hiatus for about a week and a half because I have been working on another project called Astro Psych 400. I talk a lot about the Zodiac Killer on this YouTube channel, and talking about the Zodiac got me curious about astrology. I'm not a big believer in it, I'm actually very skeptical, but I talk about it on the YouTube channel Astro Psych 400. And I would invite anyone to listen to that, even if you're just remotely curious the smallest bit about anything in the astrological world. Today we're going to be talking, though, about the actual Zodiac Killer, but I do have one more announcement. I polled you guys in the um, previous two episodes about what would you like to hear about for a deep dive podcast segment, like a weekly episode that is devoted to a single subject, and I proposed four choices, the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, the murder of Ray Davis, the Swindle murders from 1964, or the disappearance of Donna Lass, and overwhelmingly people voted to hear about the disappearance of Donna Lass. So um, I would just like to get to some of your comments right here, and... Um, the first one that I will read off is from Classic Chevy Cat, who said, As for the question, I was going to vote for Sherry Jo Bates. I changed my vote to Donna Lass, as Larry Kane must be brought into the discussion. He is low on my list, however, Kane seems to have been in Tahoe at the time, and that intrigues me. Okay, another one was simply from Todd Ullman, who said that he wanted to hear about Donna Lass. Planet X Filmworks says Donna Lass is the one I know least about, and, um... Lots of people voted um, just to hear about the murder of Donna Lass. As I said, it was an absolute landslide. So this week, there are going to be two bonus episodes um, on the channel. You will hear the things that it talks about in the intro, that I talked about in the intro. Yes, it is talking. No, the thing I talked about in the intro, that Zodiac Mondays, the Ask Me Anything Wednesday, and the Anything Goes Friday segment. But there will also be two additional episodes that are going to be coming out from time to time, one is going to be the True Crime Talk radio segment that is going to be out on Tuesdays, and just going to see how that goes. And the difference between the AMA and the True Crime Talk radio is, at, during the AMA, I respond to your questions and comments, and for the True Crime Talk radio segment, that's going to be mostly about just responding to different things like news articles or podcasts, in open discussion on things in the true crime world. So please um, tune in for that episode that will come out tomorrow. And if you haven't done so, you can subscribe to the channel, please. It really helps out, as well as hitting the like button, share with your friends and family, anyone who is curious about the true crime world, or just, as I said, visit some other things like Astro Psych 400. And this show is now available for free downloads at Launchpad 1. And there's a link to that in the description box. If you would like to download the audio of this program, you can do that at Launchpad 1, take it on the go, in the car, anywhere and anyhow. And another great way to support the show is by visiting the Teespring page. There's some t-shirts that are available to purchase. Almost all sizes and colors are listed. Remember, being weird is not a crime. So I guess um, those are the other things that um, we can look out for in the future. But um, in addition to the True Crime Talk radio segment, the first episode on the disappearance of Donna Lass will come out on Thursday. So tomorrow's the True Crime Talk radio. Wednesday will be the AMA as normally planned. And then um, 
the episode on Donna Lass will come out on Thursday, and then the Anything Goes on Friday. So a lot of things to um, see on this channel, and I'm looking forward to all of these discussions with you. It was uh, nice to do the Astro Psych 400, which does have a few more episodes to just wrap up the series in, and uh, it's still ongoing, but, like... It, I, it really is hard to even just step away from black box online radio even for a week because I just get so curious about these things myself. I mean, before I made YouTube episodes talking about any of the things like the Zodiac Killer or the Manson family, the CIA, I was just genuinely curious and I was following these things in the news and reading up on this and watching documentaries and listening to other shows about this material. So... I mean, even just stepping back for a second, I mean, like, there's so many things that I'm just curious about, and I want to follow this stuff simply because I want the answers just like you do. And that's what we're going to try to do here in uh, this episode. A lot of the other writers and thinkers in the world of the Zodiac Killer mystery have put out their own profiles about whom they believe the Zodiac Killer was. And I would like to do that today. I want to give you my take on the subject, and for the purpose of this discussion, I'm not going to be looking at anything like the multiple killers theory, the group murder theory, the thrill kill club, the zodiac hoax. I'm going to put that stuff on the back burner for now, and let's say, if there had been a single zodiac killer, one person committing the crimes from 1968 to 1969, like starting with Lake Herman Road and ending with the Paul Stein murder. If one person had been responsible for that, who was this guy? What was he like? And I will talk about some of the attributes, and I might bring in a few of the suspects from time to time to do some comparing and contrasting. However, I really don't want this to be focused on any of the famous Zodiac Killer suspects out there. Instead, just... What was the Zodiac Killer like? The first thing I would like to do is zone in on the size. And I think that the Zodiac would have been around 5 feet 10 inches tall. And this is because we have a few conflicting things. If you read the book Zodiac Killer, Just the Facts, the compilation of the police reports that has been assembled by Tom Voigt, you'll see very clearly that it starts out with there are some descriptions of the Zodiac at 5'8", then after the Stein shooting, there's one that, where the Zodiac Killer is 5'10", and the very famous description from Cecilia Ann Shepard after the Lake Berryessa stabbing, estimating that his height was around 5'11", to 5'11 and a half, maybe 6 feet tall. So how does all of that come together? How can you have a description of somebody estimated at 5'8", and be 6 feet tall? Which one is it? That's why I think it's right down the middle that the Zodiac was perhaps 5 feet 10 inches tall. Maybe just a little bit more like 5, 10 and a half. And please bear in mind these are purely my estimations. This is purely just my take on the subject. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not using any psychic powers. I'm just listening to different sources and trying to make the best judgments that I can. Alright, so I estimate that the Zodiac Killer's height was around 5 foot 10 for the weight, I think the Zodiac weighed 210 pounds. When I was listening to Drew Beeson's show, The Zodcast, he pulled up an article that was talking about the estimations from the footprints at Lake Berryessa. They believe that the footprints were made from somebody who was 200 to 220 pounds. So 
but once again going right down the middle at 210. We also have descriptions from uh, the surviving witness, Mike Majot, who thought that the Zodiac Killer was beefy, not overly flabby, but definitely broad-shouldered and well-built. I don't think he said the exact word broad-shouldered, but someone who is large, as well as saying that the Zodiac had a very large face. That was the only real description that Mike Majot was able to provide when he um said that, um, but it was trying to recall any of the major details. The only thing he could say is that maybe, yeah, he was a Caucasian male, or maybe he said something like, um, some reddish brown curls in his hair. But he um, really just said the only facial feature that he could remember was that the Zodiac's face was very big. So I estimate that his weight was around 210 pounds. Now, if you've heard uh, my uh, discussions on the Zodiac Killer suspect, McDuff, I said very clearly that in the past, if there had been a single perpetrator, I thought that he would have been around kind of early, early to mid-20s. But I had a reversal on that. I wish that I could give a better answer for the age because, you know, with the height and weight, I'll tell you flat out, I think he's, you know, five foot ten and a half, two hundred and ten pounds. Sure. I mean, that's something that I'm able to give you a precise number on. With the age, though, I mean, this is one's a little bit harder. And the first point is, I'm, I used to think the Zodiac was younger around early to mid-twenties. Then I had somewhat of a reversal on that, and now I think that the Zodiac was mid-thirties to mid-forties. I mean, we're going to deal with some range like 33 to 45, somewhere in that range, and I don't think that that's very helpful. I mean, what is that, just 12 years or something? Anyone in that 12-year block, 33 to 45? And people always ask me this about, um, or there have been several comments that have come in recently asking, Nid, why do you insist that you think the Zodiac is older and more well-educated or has a background in mathematics? And a lot of it stems from Gareth Penn and his comments about the Radians, and really his father, Hugh Penn, who made the observation that um, the Zodiac mentioned the word Radians in a letter. It concerns Radians and inches along the Radians. And it was Hugh Penn who said that, only 1% of the population would have the word radian in their active vocabulary. Okay, that may be something, there might not be something, but it's not even so much that particular line why I think the um, Zodiac had um, some strong education. And this is relevant to the age, I'll get to that in a second. It's, But it's just that, I was influenced by Gareth Penn, as well as other people like Drew Beeson and Michael Cole, who talk about how they think that um, the Zodiac killer was someone who did have some type of advanced education in math and the sciences. And my response to all of these guys, after reading their books and after listening to interviews and their shows, it is that the, there's just this sense of maturity that I get from the letters and from the ciphers and from all of the things that the Zodiac was trying to create. I definitely do not think that it was a teenager like Louis Myers who was age 17, and I also don't believe that these things were created by someone who was in their early 20s, if anything, because I used to be a male in my early 20s, in my mid-20s, in my late 20s, now I'm in my 30s, and I can sort of connect with the thought process of someone who was in those ages, and there's just this sense of maturity that I think that... um 
the ciphers and the letters were created by somebody who was older than age 29. And bear in mind, I could be completely wrong about that, but that's what I would have to estimate the Zodiac's age at. Um, 33 to 45, 5 feet 10 and a half inches tall, or we could just say 5'10 and 210 pounds. All right, so those are some things that have been marked along the way. However, um, I did say some things about education, and I was influenced definitely by Gareth Penn and his book Time 17, although many people have absolutely ripped it apart to pieces and just said that they don't think Gareth Penn was right about anything, that he completely misunderstood the Zodiac Killer mystery. And it's possible that Gareth Penn was somewhat of a media hound, and that's why he tried to link the Zodiac Killer to the 1981 murder of Joan Webster, which was heavily... Uh, publicized by the uh, even the tabloids of the Boston area, and I've always said that an appropriate title of Gareth Penn's book, Time 17, would have been Zodiac Killer, the Massachusetts Connection. We're going to have the Montana Connection soon, but why not just call it the Massachusetts Connection? If I could go back in time to 1987, I would whisper that in Gareth Penn's ear, and then I would ask him, hey Gareth, by the way, are you actually the Zodiac Killer? Can we get a straight answer? So, um, about that, um, let's talk about education. I am not 100% certain, but I would still have to go with the plan that the Zodiac is somebody who was very well educated in math or the sciences. That doesn't mean that he has like a master's or a PhD, like somebody like Ted Kaczynski, PhD in mathematics. I don't think the Zodiac had to have had a PhD or even a master's degree, bachelor's degree, Absolutely. Absolutely, I think the Zodiac Killer had a bachelor's degree. Now, what field? Maybe sciences, math, engineering, something along those lines, a bachelor's degree in that field. I mean, master's or PhD, maybe, but I definitely wouldn't put that in my exact profile if I had to bet my life on it. So, the only alternative to that would be that the Zodiac was someone who was a pilot or a sailor. And then that's why you have these things like um, the angles matching up and then um, talking about like the, the Z-32 and the um, Mount Diablo code and all that. Either a pilot or a sailor would have familiarity with that type of stuff. And yes, I've also been influenced by Michael Cole was really trying to persuade me that the Zodiac symbol was chosen for a reason. Yes, of course, it's found on the Zodiac watches, and there maybe the Ford Zodiac was also something that could have been well known, but the Zodiac Killer was using that symbol because it was a nautical compass rose, and it had a certain sense of significance to him. In short, I mean, creating a criminal masterpiece that is loaded with not only mathematical signatures, but even more precise than that, geometric signatures. I mean, it's using angles, and there is meaning in the in the actions of the Zodiac Killer. And um, I think that that would be a nice segue, but I mean, I'll just recap that real fast in case it's not clear. I believe the Zodiac had a bachelor's degree, and that he um, had it in either math or one of the sciences, maybe engineering, and the alternative could be that maybe a pilot or a sailor. But let's talk about meaning and influences, because I, I said in a recent episode that I think one of the most frustrating aspects of the Zodiac Killer mystery is that we know so much about this guy. We know where he um, had 
and we know what kind of books this person had read. We know that he is quoting the Mikado, he liked that kind of music. We know so much about the Zodiac Killer. And as I said, taking off the group murder theory, multiple killers theory, hey, angles, but we don't know who was behind this. It is still an unsolved case. And let's look at some of the pieces of literature that um, could have inspired the Zodiac Killer. And I just mentioned Michael Cole, author of the Zodiac Revisited trilogy. He shared in his book that the Zodiac Killer most likely read The American Practical Navigator. That's one book um, to put up there. But to talk about some fictional sources, The Mikado is the biggest one, the operetta by Gilbert Sullivan. The Zodiac Killer had very clear quotations from the Mikado. The Exorcist letter from 1974 is perhaps the best example of that. Mark Hewitt was keen to point out that um, the Zodiac may have read The Secret Agent by Joseph Conrad and um, The Most Dangerous Game. How about that one? That is definitely something that is alluded to, but um, it doesn't necessarily have to be The Most Dangerous Game. It could have been the film Bloodlust from 1961, which is a retelling of that, and I haven't watched this one yet, but it is on my list. Um, Charlie Chan at Treasure Island could have been an inspiration to the Zodiac Killer. Other people encouraged me to watch that film. And then Detective Story Magazine. How about that one? An issue from 1921 that features a character named Z. And there's the line, this is Z speaking. And then what about Red Rider? What about the Tim Holt comics? That is perhaps one of the more blatant references in that um Tim Holt cover, Tim Holt and the fate of La that Lady Doom is deciding. And I believe it's actually Tim Holt who is um in one of his alter egos named Red Mask. What is the fate of Red Mask? And Lady Doom is going to spin the wheel and it says by rope, by knife, by gun, by fire. But um the YouTube channel Skating Crow Productions identified that or pointed out that that's not something that was originally created for the Tim Hole comics. That is a literary figure called the Lady of Situations. And Skating Crow Productions was very keen to talk about how the Zodiac Killer could have been heavily inspired by The Wasteland, written by T.S. Eliot. So that's another one up there. And there's even a line in The Wasteland that says, Leaving a taxi throbbing and waiting. Well, you look at the murder of Paul Stein, the taxi driver who was killed on October 11th, 1969. There could be some significance to that. I mean, maybe, maybe. But some other works of um, literature could be just um, the entirety of Herman Melville, and this whole connection to Melvin Belli is really just about um, almost p paying homage to Herman Melville. Melvin Belli, of course, the attorney in the Melvin Belli letter and so on. And some people think this because there was something written that said, Melvin eats blubber, and of course Melville wrote Moby Dick, talking about the white whale and so on. I think you can get the idea there. So the Zodiac is someone who is very well read, and um, as I said, probably a strong connection to math and science, but still very much fascinated with literature, and probably had a lifelong fascination with literature, and um, I mean, maybe started reading comic books as a kid, Perhaps um, would read books every so often, but not an absolute bookworm. And let's do that. Let's use that as a segue into the Zodiac's personality. A lot of people think that serial killers are just going to be the nicest person in the world. That when people would meet this person, they're not going to get an ounce of um, 
an ounce of dangerous activity is going to be on their radar. They're going to be like, this guy is harmless. He's non-threatening. That's the word. He's not going to give off any threatening vibes. I 100% agree with that. But I don't for a second th for a second think that that means that this person is going to be somewhat of a mousy recluse who is just going to be very shy and awkward. If anything, I think he's probably going to be some type of um pleasant, slightly talkative, but not overly talkative individual. Someone who kind of nods his head and will smile along with things. Because I just think that if the person were extremely awkward, that would raise certain red flags. It doesn't mean that he couldn't be prone to an awkward outburst once every millennium. But instead, someone who isn't going to give off any awkward or threatening vibes. This is how many serial killers stay afloat. Ted Bundy was a master of this. And to a certain extent, Richard Ramirez. However, his um superficiality and arrogance really came through in a different way. But the point is, I don't think that the Zodiac would have had absolutely horrible social skills as an adult. As a teenager, as a kid, oh yeah, I think the Zodiac Killer would have had horrible social skills. Inability to connect with people, not able to bond, almost, um, I mean, actually, let's just say, I think the Zodiac Killer had problems with both of his parents. Animosity toward women, and animosity toward men. So many people look at the Zodiac crimes, the murders of David Faraday and Betty Lucenson, then the murder of Darlene Farron, than the murder of Cecilia Shepard. And they're like, the Zodiac Killer was somebody who really targeted women, or if he's going after men, it's only to get them out of the way so that he'll have access to the women. And then the male victim survived the Blue Rock Springs shooting on July 4th and the Lake Berryessa stabbing on September 27th of 1969. So then the, the Zodiac Killer wanted to prove that he could successfully murder a male once again and kill Paul Stein, the taxi driver, in downtown Presidio Heights. I mean, that's also a thrill killing, walking away from the um, crime scene like a stone-cold sociopath. And, I mean, that's a different level of thrill killing. And um, it's possible that all of these things are done to fuel adrenaline, dopamine, and endorphins. And there's a certain rush that comes from creating these absolutely horrible and atrocious crimes. But in regards to... Um, the Zodiac's personality, I don't think the Zodiac only hated women. Instead, I think that the Zodiac simply did not bond well with either of his parents. That led to a lifetime, or definitely youth, childhood, adolescence, teen years. All of that was very, very um, lonely, awkward, cut off, and um, also perhaps not having the ability to defend himself in certain situations. I frequently quote Dr. Julie Armstrong when I say that, um, or when she said, rather, that serial killers commit these crimes because when they were young, they felt powerless. So now they want to make other people feel even more powerless than they felt. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm, I think that that's very clear, that they felt like they were abused, so they want to commit a more a more intense form of abuse for other people. So um, the Zodiac Killer was probably someone who was who felt heavily rejected by um, his peers, and 
There is something about targeting young people. A lot of people look at the ages of the victims. David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen were 17 and 16, respectively. Darlene Farron and Cecilia Shepard were in their early 20s. Paul Stein was the oldest murder victim, and he was age 29. But as we said, the Stein murder occurred in downtown Presidio Heights. Definitely not in some lover's lane like Lake Berryessa, where the location of the stabbing was maybe 500 meters away from Brian Hartnell's car. So... You can see that those places are like Blue Rock Springs, Lake Berryessa, Lake Herman Road, mostly secluded places where the killer would not have been interrupted. So the Stein murder could be an absolute intense thrill kill, committing a crime surrounded by people and just walking away from it. I mean, t trying to uh, taunt the authorities in a different way. And the Zodiac killer was loaded with taunted messages, but... There are male victims and female victims. There is definitely some type of outrage committed against men and outrage against women. I see both of those things there very clearly. Now to go on to a different point, the writer Douglas Oswell, who was behind the Zodiac and the Unabomber book, said that he believed the Zodiac Killer had an IQ of 115. I'm going to go a little bit higher, and I'm going to say that I believe the Zodiac had an IQ of at least... 125. Now, Oswald said at least 115, meaning 116, 117, those are out of the line, right? No, no, of course, he said at least 115. I hope I said that one clearly talking about um, his statement. But So I will say the Zodiac Killer had an IQ of at least 125, because when I was reading that line from Douglas Oswell, I was thinking that I think that's almost just too low. I believe the Zodiac Killer was very intelligent. So if he had an IQ of 150, 160 even, okay, sure, fine, why not? Um, but I say I would say at least 125. Now, I think the Zodiac Killer would have absolutely um, spent a very lonely youth, right? So in his teen years and his college years, that also means no girlfriend, absolutely not. I mean, perhaps the entirety of his um, college years, I don't think that he would have had a girlfriend or a lover. When I was um, talking to Michael Cole, author of the Zodiac Revisited Trilogy, and I have a couple episodes on his books here on the channel that I would invite you to listen to, I was asking him this question, and we were in a complete agreement with this more or less. Was the Zodiac Killer a homosexual or a heterosexual? And he said heterosexual, and I do have to agree with that. I was absolutely stunned when I even heard these things about how they thought the Zodiac Killer was gay. I mean, the reason why was, I used to be dead set on this. And I used to say, I'll tell you what gay serial killers do. They target men. They target other men. Like, I mean, look at all the gay serial killers out there, whether it's Dean Coral, the Candyman, or some like, how about another California one, the Black Doodler, who would target men at gay bars, or Jeffrey Dahmer, or Herb Baumeister. The I-70 Strangler, it's like they're targeting men. They're either um, gay men or they're like bisexuals like John Wayne Gacy and they're targeting men because maybe they're ashamed of their homosexuality. They're battling with these feelings or they had a bad relationship with their father and um, they're um, exporting the negativity outward. All of the above even, but yes, homosexual serial killers often still can stay within one um, one sexual orientation, or they're targeting a particular gender. John Wayne Gacy is a perfect example of that, someone who was married but living the bisexual double life, and then he's targeting younger boys. And 
I think the Zodiac Killer was a heterosexual. I just, I think that because he's targeting men and women together, animosity toward um, heterosexual couples, and he is feeling very, very deprived that he almost is entitled to that type of behavior to be out with a woman like the way David Faraday was, like the way Mike Mijot was, like the way Brian Hartnell was. But he is um, also um, being very thoughtful about it. And um, I'll finish the thought in a second. Like, he is um, someone who is targeting couples because he is a heterosexual male who is a scorned and rejected individual. And when I said um, being thoughtful about it, I mean, this isn't even, like, my opinion or something. This is practically a fact. The Zodiac avoided capture by changing the way that he committed crimes, whether it's the time frame, whether it's the, um, the, like, extended gaps in between Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs, or it's the method, the MO, the, or the way that the crimes were committed, the methodology, using all sorts of different things, inconsistent clues that are left behind, writing a message on the car door only after the Lake Berryessa stabbing, I mean mailing in a piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt as the final, final confirmed victim. If he had done that after every crime, maybe he would have left some other evidence that would have had him captured by now. So um, the Zodiac avoided capture, was able to evade the authorities by changing the way that he committed crimes. So we have a heterosexual who is 5 feet, 10 and a half inches tall, 210 pounds, college-educated, um, passionate about the sciences, but also very passionate about literature, and to a certain extent, um, artwork, I mean, various forms of art. Now, about um, the Zodiac's mental health, I simply am on the fence about whether or not he had some type of mental illness such as schizophrenia. In the past, I would have said, absolutely not. I would have wholeheartedly disagreed with anybody who has proposed a schizophrenic suspect. And um, one, the, the one that I did say that almost would have been a schizophrenic but had the brain for it was Ted Kaczynski. But um, that was because Ted Kaczynski was a high-functioning schizophrenic, and he was given a provisional diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. As far as I understand, that means that the examinations were not complete, but the psychiatrist was leaning that way that he was a paranoid schizophrenic, so he has a provisional diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. However, um, I don't think that the Zodiac was someone who had a debilitating mental illness like schizophrenia. That's all about being unable to differentiate between fantasy and reality. Or, I shouldn't say fantasy, I got ahead of myself. Unable to differentiate between things that are created in, in the mind versus things that are in the external world. In short, out of control. The Zodiac seems very in control. The Zodiac Killer seems like someone who is very much able to do the cold, methodical, and calculating things. So it's not impossible. I had to admit that I was wrong. I have to admit that I was wrong. That it's impossible that the Zodiac Killer was a paranoid schizophrenic, or any type of schizophrenic. I mean, maybe not a catatonic schizophrenic, but, um... So I'm... I guess I would say that it's possible, but I would lean toward no, the Zodiac didn't have a mental illness like that. Something like major depression, okay, I mean, well, uh, yeah, that's possible. Bipolar disorder, that's possible, but I mean, I don't really have anything to else to say other than 
maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, but um, many people do propose schizophrenic suspects. I just wanted to include that in there. In regards to the location of the Zodiac Killer's um, um, origin, for, well, that's a weird way of saying it. How about the state where the Zodiac Killer was born? I believe that the Zodiac Killer was a native Californian. I don't believe he was born in New York. I don't believe he was born in any other state, actually. I believe the Zodiac Killer was someone Californian, homegrown. Okay, maybe somebody born in another state moved to California when he's two years old. Sure, why not? But someone who spent the absolute majority of his life in California because the Zodiac is operating in the San Francisco Bay Area. Very familiar with the back roads, mind you. And um, I suppose it's possible someone could have just mapped out the locations previously, but that's an assumption. I mean, we have places like Lake Herman Road, Lake Berryessa, and uh, Blue Rock Springs Park. All of those aren't major landmarks that are well-known and taught in elementary schools all across the country. Those are some places that people would become familiar with if they had spent a very long time in maybe Napa County or in Vallejo, and they were um, exposed to these places firsthand. I mean, that's the long story short. I think the Zodiac Killer was someone who was exposed to those locations firsthand. I don't think that he simply pulled up a map of California and he had, he was unfamiliar with where Blue Rock Springs Park or Lake Berryessa were, and he just chose these locations for mathematical reasons. Oh, maybe there is a mathematical connection, but they were selected because the Zodiac Killer previously knew them. And I'm just going off of my gut feeling on that, my gut um, instincts and my sense of intuition. So you have someone who's a native Californian. About the, about the Zodiac Killer's sexuality, I did say I was leaning toward heterosexual. But I think there's something else that needs to be mentioned because the prime suspect, Arthur Lee Allen, was gay. I mean, he targeted young boys. He was a pedophile, a child molester. I see zero evidence that the Zodiac Killer had anything to do with child molestation. The youngest victim, Betty Lou Jensen, was 16 years old. However, that's hardly what we were talking about. And here's something else. The Zodiac Killer did not interfere with the bodies post-mortem, with the exception of moving Paul Stein's body around in the taxi, so... I don't think the Zodiac Killer was a pedophile. I also said that I don't think the Zodiac Killer was gay. I mean, maybe someone who's confused about his sexuality, but I don't think the Zodiac was a homosexual, if I had to make a determination right now. And many suspects are either gay or they were leaving, leaving, living some type of closeted bisexual life. So that's another point. An interesting question that came up during my conversation with Michael Cole was, was the Zodiac married or not? And I didn't ask him that direct question. It was something that he brought forward that at the time of the murders, he believed that the Zodiac killer was not married. I could go either way on this one. I think it's highly possible that the Zodiac could have been married and that all of the bad experiences that I've been talking about occur before he got married. But the way that trauma sets in is that 
it doesn't have to cause an immediate reaction. I mean, look at many of these serial killers. They are married. They're living this serial killer double life when they're married, they have children, yet then they go off and they, they murder people. Whether it's um that guy, her Baumeister that I mentioned, or somebody else like um Robert Christian Hansen, the butcher baker from Alaska, they're married, but then they have this serial killer double life. Lots of people do it, and the reason why is because of the bad experiences that they had as children that have turned into um, destructive tendencies that can lay dormant for a very long time, and perhaps the person is either at a breaking point mentally, or maybe they think that they've learned how to commit a crime without getting caught, but they keep doing it to the point where it becomes so excessive that they get careless, they leave... Um, certain pieces of evidence behind, or very simply, the authorities might catch on to them. If they're committing murders regularly, somebody can follow the trail and find out how these crimes were committed, and if they can, if they know how the crimes were committed, they can find out who committed them. Many serial killers are caught that way. The, the, somebody figures out their game, but those serial killers are more or less pattern-oriented, and the Zodiac didn't have much of a pattern at all. I was shocked when I read the sentence once from Robert Graysmith when he was saying that he thought that this um, murder that took place outside of the Coronado Inn fit the pattern of the Zodiac. And I was like, there is no pattern of the Zodiac. Even if you're going to say that somebody targeting heterosexual couples, well, the Stein murder, there was no couple there. Oh yeah, well, the Zodiac killer also uh, targeted women. The Stein murder has no woman. And um the incident that Graysmith was talking about when a woman was found stripped naked outside of the Coronado, the Zodiac just simply did not do things like that. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Anytime someone is proposing activities in an unconfirmed incident that involves uh, manipulating the body's post-mortem, like stripping somebody's clothes off naked, I don't think that was the Zodiac killer. I mean, the Zodiac had every opportunity to do that at Lake Herman Road, or how about at... Uh, Lake Berryessa when Cecilia Shepard was tied up. Of course, she uh, didn't pass away immediately after the stabbing, but the Zodiac had opportunities to do all kinds of um, molestations and uh, doing things to the bodies after the fact, but he didn't. He simply left. I don't think the Zodiac... Uh, did anything with the dead bodies other than moving Paul Stein's body in the taxi. And some possibilities that have been proposed for that is that, um, number one, the Zodiac didn't put Paul Stein's body onto his lap like the, the witnesses said. Instead, he pushed him to the floorboards so he could steal the wallet, the keys, the driver's license, and cut the piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt. Or other people think that that's just it, like the Zodiac was pushing Paul Stein's body in the taxi cab because he wanted to cut that piece of the shirt so he could mail it in with the letters and take credit for it. Changing the MO, changing the signatures, changing the taunting messages so the police couldn't figure it out, and that's how the Zodiac evaded capture. But um, some guys were just saying this in the comments section. I don't have the comments in front of me, or else I would give you some shout-outs, whether, you know, conversation going back and forth here on Black Box Online Radio in the comments section. You guys leave awesome comments. And they said they thought that Paul Stein had been shot maybe before the car had been put into park or, or like put into uh, the correct gear. So the Zodiac was actually just trying to stabilize the taxi so it wouldn't um, roll any farther away and it wouldn't like bump into anything. You know, if like it's in neutral or something like that, it can slide a little bit. I think, um, I think you know what I mean. But um, 
all of those things. I mean, that's just there's a practical reason why the Zodiac is touching Palestine's d dead body in that taxi cab on October 11th of 1969. That really goes to show that the Zodiac didn't have a high regard for human life. Was the Zodiac killer a sociopath? Absolutely, I think so. I mean, these are just um my observations. I think the Zodiac killer was a sociopath, perhaps not a born psychopath. Psychopath meaning that he was born with it. Sociopath meaning that his social upbringing, the social conditions, society, shaped his mental state. Yeah, I think the Zodiac was a sociopath, did not show um, um, any regard for human life, very low in empathy, low in agreeableness, but comes across as a very agreeable person. And then um, about his uh, demeanor, he is also going to have glib and superficial charm. And um, another thing that is on the hair checklist that is used to determine psychopathy or sociopathy is um, whether or not the person was... Um, able to hold down a stable marriage. It says frequent marriages. So that could be something that could be found in the Zodiac uh, later on, like marriage instability and an unstable family life if he had children. I mean, that's possible. I mean, why not? And if someone is married, they're definitely probably going to talk about children at some point. So um, I guess the last thing I would like to say is some stuff about the Big Five personality traits, because this is a profiling episode. I just didn't want it to be only devoted to psychological profiling. Dr. Todd Grande perhaps did a better job of it than I did when he said um, that the Zodiac Killer was someone who was very low in neuroticism, meaning that he is not worrying about things. Um, insecure, of course, but that's not really one of the... Um, big five traits. So he's low in neuroticism, um, perhaps high in trait openness, not high in conscientiousness. I don't think the Zodiac Killer would have had a very structured and stable upbringing where he's going to be living a conscientious life and is going to have his days put into a very structured and orderly phase. As I said, I think the Zodiac perhaps had bad relationships with both his mother and his father. Maybe he got conscientious later on in life, but even up to his mid-30s, I don't think he was very high in trait conscientiousness. Um, agreeableness, I think the Zodiac was extremely disagreeable because, as I understand serial killers, they are very low in agreeableness. They have terrible pair-bonding skills, but they fool people into thinking that they do. They come across as someone who's agreeable, very passive guy, a pushover, and someone who is just gonna, as I said, smile and nod along with everything, but in reality he's plotting to kill them later on. Maybe the Zodiac committed additional murders, maybe he did not. And then um, we did openness, conscientiousness, oh, extroversion. I, I think the Zodiac was very low in extroversion, and if he was um, extroverted at all, it was all fake, like, you know, just pretending, hey, yeah, I'll see you at the bar tonight, ha, 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 I'm gonna kill that bastard. Like, um, someone who is pretending to be this, uh, boring, plain, ordinary, nice guy, but in reality, he is a sociopath who is mostly indifferent to human life. So, in conclusion, I think the Zodiac Killer was perhaps five feet ten, five feet ten and a half inches tall, 210 pounds, college-educated, perhaps in the math or science uh, fields, maybe engineering, or maybe a pilot or a sailor, some type of a background like that. I didn't talk about the military, but I almost certainly think the Zodiac had 
a military connection of some point, even a brief one, and then um, the Zodiac would have had an IQ of 125 or higher, and he would have been someone who was a heterosexual, perhaps dealing with some mental illness issues like maybe clinical depression, major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, but not a schizophrenic, or if he was a, high, a schizophrenic, he was an extremely high-functioning one, not your ordinary schizophrenic. He was just the exception that would have proved the rule. And um, it's possible the Zodiac um, had children. I don't think that um, there's any uh, any convincing evidence to say either way that he never had any children. But I definitely believe that he spent his teen years and his college years without a girlfriend or without any type of lover, someone who felt very rejected from his peers and so on. But what do you think about anything that I've compiled here in this episode? Um, if you want to challenge me on any of the points, please feel free to do so. I would love to read your responses down below. Thank you for listening to this, by the way, and just hearing my observations about the Zodiac Killer. This wasn't meant to zone in on a particular suspect, although I did mention Macduff, Arthur Lee Allen, Louis Myers, Ted Kaczynski, numerous Zodiac Killer suspects out there. But do you think that any point that I've mentioned is completely wrong? Well, answer in the comments section. Say why you disagree with me. And I would also invite you to check out AstroPsych 400, and that's all on YouTube here for free. And one more time, Launchpad 1 has free downloads for this show and the Teespring page, all kinds of things in the description box. So I will see you tomorrow for that True Crime Talk Radio segment. It's going to be a big one going in all different directions, talking about the Zodiac Killer as well for a little bit, but also just the entire world of true crime. So please uh, subscribe and stay tuned and follow along with all of these discussions. I will see you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.